Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast, the edition where I sound really congested because I'm sick. A little bit sick, not too bad, but it was an interesting coincidence that I also got a bunch of questions this week about when your baby is sick and how to keep sleep on track. Probably not a super interesting coincidence because it is November, it is the season of the cold and the flu, and so we usually get a lot of questions about illness and about keeping baby sleep on track during illness in this season. So we'll touch on that today because it is Q&A Tuesday. So we'll talk about that and we'll cover a bunch of other questions that popped into my inbox this week, that popped into our DMs on Instagram couple questions about toddlers and the one nap situation this week. So we'll cover a couple of those and get everybody sleeping well. So start with this one. When going from two to one naps, what time should that one nap take place? It's a great question. We do see parents kind of go a little all over the map from one parent to the next with when they put their baby down for that one nap once your child makes that transition. So first of all, as we've talked about in previous episodes of the podcast, I really recommend that you try to hang on to a two-nap day for your child until they're close to about 16 or 18 months of age. Usually that's the point where your child can handle the amount of awake time that is required to get down to just a one-nap day. Some children have to go down to one nap earlier than this because they go to daycare and a lot of daycares will only accommodate one nap per day once children reach about 12 months. And so you might just have to accommodate that and put your child to bed earlier to compensate for that overtiredness that might be happening. But normally 16, 18 months is the best sweet spot to move your baby down to a one nap schedule. But that's not what this question was about. This question was, when should the nap happen once your child is on one nap? When we're talking about a child who's just recently transitioned to one nap, so they are 16, 18, 20 months, I recommend that nap happen at 12 p.m. So we do, as I was mentioning, we see some parents putting their little ones down for that one nap as early as 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. The issue with that is then your child's day is really unbalanced because their nap happens so early in the day that then they need a big stretch of awake time to get to bedtime and they're often overtired by bedtime. If your child goes down for their nap at 11 o'clock in the morning and they only nap for an hour and a half and they're already up at 1230, well now they have to go many, many hours to get to say a seven o'clock bedtime, which is when a lot of parents want to be putting their toddlers down at this point. So that's a really big stretch of awake time and your toddler's probably going to be pretty overtired by 7 p.m. if they've been up since 1230. On the flip side of the coin, we see some parents putting their little ones down around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 1.30 for their nap. At that point, a lot of children who are only in the early stages of toddlerhood, only 16, 18, 20 months, they're overtired by 1.30 in the afternoon. They often have a lot of trouble falling asleep for their nap or have a short nap if they only go down as late as 1, 1.30 in the afternoon. So we want to be pulling that nap a little earlier so they're not already overtired by the time nap time rolls around because that can then affect the rest of their day, their bedtime, their overnights if they're already overtired by their nap time. So 12 o'clock is what I recommend 
for a toddler's nap. It really helps balance out the day. It's not so early in the day that then your child has to be awake for a really long time before bedtime, and it's not so late in the day that they're already overtired by nap time or that they're not tired enough by bedtime because they slept so late in the afternoon. 12 o'clock is a good sweet spot for a one nap day. As your child gets a little older, I will say that when a child is around two and a half or three and still napping, that is when you might see them need more like a 12, 30, one o'clock nap time because they do need a little more sleep pressure to be tired enough to nap at that age. But before that age, 12 p.m. is usually the sweet spot for that one nap. The next question we're gonna touch on today is if my baby is on a one nap schedule but wakes up really early some days, like 5 a.m., should I do his nap earlier in the morning or should I even give him two naps that day? Generally, I would say the answer to both of those questions is no. No, I wouldn't do the nap earlier, and no, I wouldn't do two naps in the day if your child has already transitioned to one nap. I know it's really tough when your child wakes up pretty early, when your child has those early morning wake-ups like 5, 5.30 in the morning, and they're already seeming kind of tired and cranky by 10 a.m., but if a child is already generally adjusted to having one nap in the middle of every day, you're probably going to have a hard time getting them to go down for a nap at 10 o'clock in the morning on the odd day. And if you have a hard time getting them to go down for the nap, it's just going to throw off the whole rest of their day. Their body clock is now kind of adjusted to going down around the same time every day. And for most children, on a one nap day that is around 12 p.m. So I would still, even on an early morning wake up day, try to push your child pretty close to their normal nap time. They normally go down at noon and they got up really early that day. You might do as early as 11.30 a.m. for that nap, but I wouldn't do much earlier than that. Try to keep things within 30 minutes or so of your child's normal nap time each day whenever you can. Next question, how to motivate a three-year-old to sleep in a bed instead of a crib. He doesn't want to move to the big kid bed. Well, my answer to that is congratulations, kiddo. I love that you still want to be in your crib. And I would just, to the parents, I would just keep your child in a crib a little longer. I recommend that children don't move to a big kid bed until at least the age of three. So if your just turned three-year-old is happy in his crib and doesn't even want to move to a big kid bed yet, that is okay. And I would stick with it. Children don't really develop reasoning skills until closer to the age of three, and so that's the earliest age we want to be moving them to a big kid bed when they might start getting out of it constantly, and we're going to have to try to reason with them to stay in it. We're trying to reason with them, but they can't actually be reasoned with because they're not old enough to do that yet. It becomes a very challenging situation. It's totally fine for your child to sleep in a crib until they're three and a half or even closer to four if they're happy there, they're safe there, they're comfy there, they sleep well there. Don't push your little one to move to a big kid bed well before they really need to be moving to a big kid bed. If they're happy, safe, comfy, fit well in the crib, which most children still do at this age. Even my daughter, who was super, super tall for her age at three years, slept in a crib really comfortably until almost four. So my answer to that question is just don't push it, don't worry about it. He will move to a big kid bed when he's ready. And for now, if he's sleeping well, don't fix what isn't broken. Next question that I pulled out for today was also about older kiddos. Where do you buy longer sleep sacks? Sleep sacks that fit a tall three-year-old. 
I'm the perfect person to answer this question because I had the tallest three-year-old on earth, or at least it felt that way. Even now at nine years of age, my daughter gets hand-me-downs from our 13-year-old babysitter that fit her right away <laughs> because she's so tall. My husband, Steve, is six foot six. So Myla, my daughter, completely takes after him in the height category and in a lot of other categories too. But she's really, really tall. She was super tall when she was three and we wanted to keep her in a crib until she was closer to three and a half, even four, because she was just doing so well in a crib. Again, we didn't want to fix something that wasn't broken. There are a lot of companies that now recognize that parents are keeping their children in their cribs longer because so many sleep experts recommend it. So there are a lot of companies that will sell sleep bags that fit older children and taller children. Ryan Penn is a great Canadian brand that has a sleep bag that goes from 18 to 36 months. So that's a great option for those of you whose kiddos are getting closer to the age of three and still want them to be in a sleep bag. You can check the show notes for a discount that we have with Ryan Penn also. Wolino is a really good option that has size two to four year sleep bag. So if your child is getting a little over the age of three and they're a little taller and you want to still be using a sleep bag in a crib, Molino is another good option. And when Myla was three, we actually had a couple of sleep bags from the Grow Company, G-R-O, the Grow Company, that were size three to six years. They fit her great because at three years old, she was like the size of a four and a half, five-year-old. And the three to six year from Grow Company fit her wonderfully. I do think they probably sell that size because some parents actually like to keep their child in a sleep bag even after they move to a big kid bed because so many children at three and four years of age have trouble with sheets and blankets and keeping them on or tucking themselves back in and they like to continue to sleep in a sleep bag. Personally, once children move to a big kid bed, I generally recommend we just go with sheets and blankets and help them learn to pull them back up. But I do believe that's why the Grow Company sells one that's so long because some parents are keeping their children in a sleep sack even once in a big kid bed. So those are some brands and some options for bigger, longer sleep bags for older kiddos. Just always remember that the neck hole and the arm holes should fit your child properly so they're not slipping down inside of it, but the length can be nice and long at that age. Last question for today, any tips for when my baby is sick? So I alluded to this at the beginning of the episode. It's cold and flu season, lots of questions about little ones being ill. This question says, my baby is sleep trained but has a cold right now and I'm worried that we'll move backwards with all of the progress we've made with her sleep. So there's a few answers to this. There's a blog on our website at thehappysleepcompany.com and we often post about this kind of thing at the Happy Sleep Company on Instagram. So make sure you check out those for more tips. But the biggest thing you can do is try to be as consistent as possible while your little one is sick be as consistent as possible with their sleep while also obviously making some concessions where necessary and doing some things you might not normally do. If your child has like a mild cough or cold, it doesn't seem to be bothering them too much, it doesn't seem to be affecting their sleep too much, try to keep things pretty normal. If your child wakes up in the night and has a little cough, I would avoid running to their crib right, right away because lots of us cough in our sleep and are able to just sleep right through it or wake a tiny bit and put ourselves back to sleep. So give your baby the chance. If you've already done some sleep coaching and your baby is an awesome sleeper, there's a really good chance that they're just going to keep on sleeping or put themselves right back to sleep when they have a little cough in the night. So I would still, if it's something you're used to and comfortable with, give your baby five or 10 minutes if they have a little cough in the night before you go to their crib. But certainly if you've given them a little time and it seems like they are struggling 
or are not going to be able to go back to sleep without some assistance, then certainly you're going to go to your child. You're going to see what they need. This is your opportunity to check. Do you have a dirty diaper? Do we need to change that? Do that with really minimal light and really minimal interaction so that you're not really waking your baby up a ton during that diaper change. This is your chance to see, does your baby need, you know, a little sip of water if they're at an age where we're now offering water because they do have that dry cough, they do have that cold. Does your baby have a fever? You know, you can check that at that time. Give your baby what they need. Some parents are using infant Tylenol if their baby has a fever or something that your doctor recommends. Some parents are using like a homeopathic remedy. So give your baby what you need, what they need, what your doctor has recommended, what you're comfortable giving them. Give them a little cuddle and then back into the crib awake and let them use those healthy independent sleep skills that you've helped them gain to put themselves back to sleep. So what I'm saying here is try to avoid going back to old sleep props that you used to use prior to sleep coaching. If you've done a bunch of sleep coaching, gotten your baby on a great track, your baby's an awesome independent sleeper, they should still be able to do that during the night when they are not feeling so well. And you really don't want to regress backwards with going back to whatever you might have been doing before sleep coaching during illness. Rocking to sleep, feeding to sleep, bouncing to sleep, reintroducing a pacifier that you worked really hard to get rid of. All of these kinds of things can be really tempting to do when your baby is ill because you just want to get them back to sleep however you can, but it can mean you have to do sleep coaching over again, which nobody wants to do. And you can be confident that your baby doesn't need that stuff to get back to sleep now. They need you to go to them and check that everything's okay and give them whatever remedy might be necessary for fever or discomfort, but, and a little cuddle, of course, and a little kiss and a hug, but not going back to those old sleep props because we know your baby can do this and we don't want to send them backwards with their sleep coaching and their independent sleep skills so that you don't have to do sleep coaching over again. So really try to avoid fully in reintroducing old sleep props, just giving your baby what they need and then letting them use those healthy sleep skills that you know they have to get themselves back to sleep and use the same sort of approach you've used in the past to manage sleep in those situations. Sometimes it is a more dire situation like projectile vomiting because your child has the flu. And that is a different scenario too. I know for me, the first time Myla had a really bad flu and she was throwing up constantly, it, it made me nervous. I was a new mom. I didn't have any experience with her being sick or really sick and it made me really nervous and I had called the doctor and they didn't feel I needed to necessarily bring her in or take her to emerge, but Definitely, I wanted to be by her side. I didn't feel comfortable with her sleeping on her own, in her own room, in her crib that night when she had been vomiting so much during the day. And I just wanted to be there right beside her and see her breathing and knowing that she was okay. And she hadn't thrown up in her crib or something like that. So in that situation, I blew up an air mattress and put it on the floor in her room and slept in her room that night. So I put her to bed, she went to sleep, and then a little while later when I was ready to go to bed, I just went in and got on the mattress and slept there. And everything worked out fine, but it just made me feel so much better to be there right beside her. And if I woke up in the night, you know, hear her breathing or know that if she woke up in the night, I'd be right there for her because she was quite sick and it was new for both of us. So that is an example of a more like a bigger measure that you can take when your little one is feeling quite sick that isn't fully reverting back to old sleep props like maybe bringing her to your bed. So a lot of families will say to me, well, sleep coaching has been great. She's such a good sleeper. We didn't want to co-sleep anymore. We were done with that phase and we really wanted her to sleep in her crib and she's doing that now and that's awesome. But what about if she gets really sick? Should I bring her back to my bed then? 
I would say no, because you've done so much work to change the way your baby goes to sleep and where she goes to sleep. And it's not really fair to either of you to have to do that sleep coaching over again if you bring her to your bed during an illness and she becomes reaccustomed to that and then you have to reteach her how to sleep in her crib. So if you've already done the work of sleep coaching, again, I wouldn't go back to things you've been doing before, like bring your baby into your bed and probably confuse her when she's sick. One, it's going to send you backwards. You're probably going to have to do some more sleep coaching after that. And two, neither of you is going to get as good of a rest, most likely. Your baby is now really good at sleeping on her own in her crib and sleeps all night in her crib. So when she's sick, what she needs the most is healthy rest. And we want to make sure she can get that. And she's probably not really accustomed to sleeping in your bed anymore, nor are you accustomed to having her there. So there's probably going to be a lot of tossing, turning, fidgeting, and no one's going to get as good of a rest. So moral of the story here is in a situation like that, where you're feeling like your baby's sick and you really want to be close to them, rather than displacing your baby and putting them in your bed and probably confusing them and having a tougher night's sleep, I would displace yourself and go sleep on an air mattress in your baby's room, let them sleep in their nice, comfy, safe crib, and that way you can be near your baby, but you're not reintroducing old sleep props. So that's a couple of ways to deal with illness. As I said, there's a blog on our website about it as well, so you can check that out. And that's a wrap up for today. Those were kind of the top five questions that I got for this week. I hope they're helpful heading into this cold and flu season. I hope that can help you out when you are potentially up in the night with your little one who is a good sleeper, but has a stuffy nose. So keep all those thoughts in mind. I hope everyone stays happy and healthy over this cold and flu season and doesn't get any of those bugs. But if you do, hopefully that helps out. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.